There is no growth in comfort and no comfort in growth. Business today typically values and promotes leaders for their subject expertise. Leaders who have command of the details and execute based on knowledge and experience are highly respected. However, to grow as a leader, you have to get out of your comfort zone. That means learning to lead without just being the expert. Learn to gain the trust and respect of a team that might know more than you do. Get comfortable with ambiguity and with not having all the information. Develop the skills and confidence to lead in a different way. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. I'm Wanda Wallace. And today we're going to be talking about multiple generations at work. Now, every company that I work with, this is a hot topic. All of the challenges of getting these now four distinct generations with four very different needs and trying to figure out how to make it work. And the leaders I coach and speak with are frustrated about it. So just as a review, there are the supposedly retiring baby boomers like myself who don't seem to be leaving so quickly and who are seen as quote-unquote bureaucratic A statement I take as not wonderful because I don't like that description about ourselves. Then there's the Generation X, which has been patiently waiting in the wings to kind of take over, and who are now the general managers and leaders in organizations and finding the younger generations a bit troubling at times. And we have the newly employed millennials, who many describe as being quote-unquote entitled, or at least some of the older generations see it that way. Um, Millennials, however, don't see it that way either. And as if that isn't confusing enough, there's now Generation Z just on the horizon and just graduating from the university. So with me today is a specialist and internationally recognized keynote speaker and author of a book, The Millennial Manual, The Complete Guide to Manage, Develop, and Engage Millennials at Work. Ryan Jenkins is the author, and he's my guest today. And he has really been helping organizations get clarity around millennials and Generation Z so that as leaders, you can effectively lead, engage, and even sell to the multi-generational workplace. And I seem not to be able to talk today. Ryan has been featured in Forbes, Fast Company, Inc., and Success Magazine. He has a regular blog and podcast and also a column in Inc.com. And he has a micro-learning training platform designed for millennials and helping them improve their performance called 21mill.com. And the part I love about it is Ryan is a millennial himself, and you can find him in Atlanta with his family, either sampling craft beers or cheering on the Denver Broncos. So, Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Wanda. Looking forward to our conversation. I am, too. I'm looking forward to your perspective on this one. Everybody I talk to is frustrated about it. I don't care which of the four generations you sit in. They're finding the other generations hard to know how to engage. And it's something we just need to figure out. Most of my clients are reporting that their workforce is now 45 to 50% millennials. So this is not a problem that's going to go away anytime soon. Before we get going on this one, though, let's just make sure everybody is on the same page. How do you distinguish between the different generations? Yeah, I mean, it depends who you talk to. If you talk to a historian, they may have a different range of who the generations are. If you talk to a sociologist, they might have a different range. But in general, I'll just, just for so that we're all on the same page, I'll take the four generations that are in the workplace. Uh, we'll do it by age. So for the baby boomers, they're currently 51 to 71 years old, roughly. Generation X, 37 years old to 52. Millennials, 20 to 36. And Generation Z, as you mentioned, that's just now inching into the workplace. They're 19 years old and younger. 
And it's, um, it's, I think it's important to note is when we talk about generations, generations are clues, they're not absolutes. They're clues, they're not absolutes. So they're good guidelines. And what we'll talk about today are going to be some, hopefully some tremendous uh, guidelines for folks. But that's kind of overarching how I uh, define um, and put the, um, the brackets around the generations. All right. I love that one. Baby boomers, 51 to 71 years old. Generation X, 37 to 52 years old. Millennials, 20 to 36. And Generation Z is 19 years old and younger. All right. So let me be a cynic for a minute, Ryan. Okay. I have yeah, seen multiple generations come and go and come and go. And in some ways, you could say it's just youth that youth is always impatient and they want to do their thing and they think that they know everything and they're, you know, trying to break down barriers. In fact, those of us as baby boomers kind of started that way. Is there anything really different though for the millennials and the Gen Z now, or is it just youth in general? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great question. And certainly I think, yeah, I think everyone has a bit of that, that um, skepticism as it comes to generations. And um, you can look back as far as Socrates, and Socrates has been quoted as saying the young generation is lazy and disrespectful. So this this generational um, friction and, and kind of the, um, the pointing fingers at the young generation is nothing new. This is certainly something that seems cyclical. Um, but today is different. It, it is very different. And I think all the listeners out there, you feel it. We can sense that there's something different. And Bottom line is that for me and, and my perspective and my research and working with my clients, um, ultimately, is that millennials are a critical mass of change agents. So it's not necessarily um, that they're that much different. It's just that they they have come of age in a completely different world. And so there's two game-changing items that, ha- that we have to consider when we talk about the emerging generations. And those two game-changing items are arguably the greatest equalizer the world has ever seen, the greatest disruptors the world has ever seen, and those two items are technology and the internet. Those two things have changed the game. I don't care what generation you are, whoever's listening to this, those two items have changed how you live, work, and play. Now you take those two items and you put those two items on the shoulders of the largest generation on the planet, the millennials, and that's the recipe for massive disruption. That's the recipe for change. And so there's so much tension surrounding the millennials and they're so highly scrutinized uh, because they have come of age in this in this very turbulent times and having you know, a mobile device not outside of arm's reach for as far back as they can remember has fundamentally shaped how they show up to work. And so um, it's a bigger story than generation and it's a bigger story than millennials. But the next generation gives us insights into what's next. And so the better understanding we have of the millennials, the better understanding we have of Generation Z, um, as business owners, as leaders, as, as, as parents, we can get ahead of some of these trends and really lead, communicate, and sell and run our organizations like it's the 21st century. Um, so there's a bigger story to be, to be had here. And really, it's my belief that, that millennials are just putting a face to the change um, but it's an important conversation to have because uh, they are different. Um, and I would say the other thing that's really different today than in, in any other time in history, well, there's a couple of different reasons. Um, one is the emerging generations have elevated expectations now. Um, if this is a generation that doesn't remember a world beyond Uber, they can't remember a world that didn't, where Uber didn't exist. So for them, Uber is, isn't an innovation, it's an expectation. Um, I like to think of it as my kids. I have two young kids at home. They won't know a world where they can't touch a slab of glass and have a 
Amazon package deliver within an hour via a drone. That fundamentally changes how they expect goods and services to be delivered to them. So we have to we have to get um, over to an extent uh, the conversation on just generations and really begin looking at what some of these fundamental culture shifts that are happening. And the best way to kind of understand those is to look at the behaviors of the emerging generation. So uh, long story short, Wanda, yes, things are much different in these emerging generations. But let, let me slip in one more thing because I think this is important too. Uh, for the first time ever, ever, the, there's generations that are coming into the workplace that have skills and knowledge that previous generations don't have. For the millennials, they were the, the their family, their household chief technology officers. They were helping mom and dad or grandma and grandpa how to troubleshoot a laptop, what a smartphone app was, what Facebook was, how to get on Facebook. And so they're coming into the workplace ready to contribute, and they have skills that another generation uh, has. And so that's never happened before. So that's causing a tremendous amounts of friction as well. Uh, but it can be leveraged into a competitive advantage if leaders and organizations are smart. I, so this is a lot of things here. I want to just summarize this one for a moment. You said it is a game changer. And it's a game changer in part because it is the biggest mass of generation we've ever seen. So they're going to swamp anything that has come before just by sheer numbers. So that compounds it. But then they grew up in a world where technology is really a completely different place than it was in the world I grew up in, for sure. And then the Internet is has always been there. It's never been anything different. Mm-hmm. And then add that, that what we think of as radical innovation today, like Uber or Airbnb or the share economy or the Internet of Things, to them is just normal, of course, expectations, which is it shifts your mindset completely differently. And then, you know, they've always been able to be the smart ones at home, particularly around technology or some other things. So they've been willing to contribute. I think those are four big differences here. So, Ryan, how do you describe to people um, the, this current generation so we get our head around, we get our head away from the entitlement phrase and into mm-hmm. a better understanding of millennials as millennials? Yeah, um, you know, I think it, it's easy to think about um Let's just use that Uber example that I was I was sharing that it, it, it would seem to an outsider that the millennial generations, oh, they're entitled. They just expect a vehicle to just, you know, show up on, at a whim, you know, on their just based on a couple finger flicks on a tablet. And, and there they are. Um, and that shows up as entitlement. But um, if we step back a little bit, it's that's true of any generation. If you don't remember what it was like prior to an innovation or an invention to you, it's not innovative. It's not an invention. It's just normal. It's standard. So that doesn't make us entitled. That just makes us a different generation with a different perspective or a fresh perspective. Um, and that's re- really the, the catalyst for me to getting into this space and speaking to clients all over the all over the world and, and in any industry. I mean, this is a, a challenge that so many different in- industries are, are, are plagued with and they're trying to uncover and figure it out. Um, and the reason I kind of got into the space was I saw t- way too many leaders and organizations pointing their finger and saying, entitled, sit the bench, you know, learn how to work hard. 
And to me, it, what, that wasn't a helpful conversation. That wasn't moving the organization forward. Having you know this this generation that can contribute and does have a fresh and relevant perspective that can catalyst, you know, be a catapult for an organization. To have them sit the bench is not healthy uh, for any organization. So I felt like let's let's broaden the perspective here and let's try to bring every generation to the table, leverage those unique strengths and skill sets so that we can move the organizations forward. So um, it's just it's just it's not a helpful conversation to immediately jump to. Entitlement. Of course, there's always um, some bad apples in any bunch, and entitlement um, is something I think, you know, as humans, we think we all have it in, to some uh, degree. And so, I think the other aspect too of it too, Wanda, that I think might help listeners is to is to replace the word entitled with empowered. This is a generation that has the world's information at their fingertips, and so they are empowered generation. If they're not being engaged or if they're dissatisfied at work. They're just a finger swipe away from going somewhere else. And some would say, look at that as entitlement. Others would look at that as they're empowered and they have um, they have more decisions at their disposal. So a couple of different things to think about it as it relates to your question around entitlement. Okay. All right. So let's stay with that one for a minute, this whole notion of information at their fingertips. I'm going to do this by a bit of, of personal observation. So in my field in consulting and coaching, the traditional wisdom has been that you need to have some experience in the corporate world in order to have the you know have a good message and have the respect of an audience that you're talking to and so on. So the conventional wisdom has always been go and do some corporate work and then come to the consulting at a later point. Mm-hmm. I'm watching now millennials, you included, and among others, who say why. I have something to offer right now. I have a perspective. And the information that that experience, that expertise that you might have accumulated, Wanda, thank you very much. But I can go and find that anywhere on the Internet anyway. So Mm -hmm. I'm watching them enter, even in my field, at a much younger age and, quite honestly, succeed at it. Right. Okay, and I think a lot of people are seeing that. What used to take people 10, 15 years to develop knowledge content, details, understanding, expertise, I think I suspect in the millennials is slightly undervalued because it's a bit of a free good. It's all available. Now, mm-hmm. what's your perspective on that? Yeah, a couple thoughts. Um, you know, I think that kind of the undercurrent of what you're talking about there is that the, the, the world is moving faster, right? Things are happening a lot faster. It's easier than ever to start a business. I mean, the barriers have never been lower to to start a business you could have an idea go down to a coffee shop and launch a business and have business cards in the mail uh, you know the next day and you can be in business in a couple days and you can market it you know you can reach hundreds of thousands of people for a couple hundred bucks on Facebook um, I mean it's it's truly amazing the amount of reach and so a couple things to think about one I always encourage my clients that hey if you're trying to retain this emerging generation you're not only um, or if you're trying to recruit and retain this generation, you're not only competing with your competitors to um, uh, to pull in this talent, but you're actually competing with millennials' own ability, resources, um, and desire to be an entrepreneur. So you're competing with that. And there's so many organizations that have what I call energy leaks, where they have you know millennials that have a side project or a side hustle, and they're 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 not able to to fully engage that employee to get um, you know to get them. Um, performing at a higher rate inside their organizations. Um, so that's one thing uh, to think about as it relates to this idea of, of expertise and, and you know, being willing to, to contribute earlier and, and often. Um, and then 
the other thing is, is it's this is the first generation. The millennials really are the first generation that grew up not considering uh, parents or teachers as the authority, but rather they considered the internet the authority. And so, and any parents out there, you, you've probably had uh, the um, the rare privilege of of having a millennial fact check you as you're trying to impart wisdom on them, or or if you're a teacher, you've probably had. Uh, millennials or Generation Z fact check you right there in the classroom. And so that dynamic has shifted a little bit and they're actually looking to, you know, crowdsource information and they're able to, to learn fast and they're not, uh, uh, they're not shy on entering, a, entering um, you know, they're starting their own business or entering a field as a consultant or, or what have you. Um, and really, I think the crux of all it too is, is those three things, technology, internet, and millennials or the emerging generations have created what we call exponential times. Things are moving very rapidly. Um, and oh, geez, there's all kinds of examples. One one recently that a lot of listeners might know is is 8%, maybe you've heard this statistic, Wanda, 8% is, is how many U.S. college students that don't have access to Netflix. Only 8% don't have access to Netflix. And Netflix only started streaming in 2007. So that kind of scale, that kind of reach is unprecedented. And so um, that's how quickly things can get disrupted. And, you know, we look at how the growth of Uber. Um, you look at Pokemon Go. That was the fastest growing app of all time. They netted, not, or, sorry, they, they netted 600 million in revenue in their first days. Um, because we're all connected, we all have a mobile device in our pocket, uh, an invention can hit the, uh, the app store and it can change the world. It can change how we, our behaviors. It can change how we think about an industry and then it can empower us to go um, and pursue that as a business or, again, as a consultant. So um, those are just kind of my, my, my thoughts on that. I, let me say one other thing, Wanda, that mm-hmm. um, something as Generation Z comes in, I think it's important for all of us to help this next generation not to create echo chambers. Because I think it's really easy with the world's information out there to just find the perspective that that you want or the the perspective that you have and just go and find other voices or information that that confirm that. And I think we need to help the emerging generation really seek out opposing viewpoints or different perspectives because it's going to be way too easy to create echo chambers and and just kind of get in a rut in a in a certain frame of mind. So that's something I think we all need to be cognizant of moving forward. It's an interesting one. Um, and we're going to come back to talk about Gen Z and what's different between Gen Z and the millennials as well. So, uh, Ryan, we're going to take a break here. And um, with me today is Ryan Jenkins. The book, if you're interested, is The Millennial Manual, The Complete Guide on How to Complete How-To Guide to Manage, Develop, and Engage Millennials at Work. There's also a web platform, 21mil.com, which is a microlearning training platform for millennials at work. I think the thing that's most fascinating about this generation uh, um, is this whole notion of how large they are in combination with the technology that has always been there the internet and the availability of information and their expectation of being able to contribute from day one. So we'll be right back and we'll talk about what you can do as a manager to work with millennials. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. How is your work-life balance? 
In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back to the show. With me today is Ryan Jenkins, and Ryan is an internationally recognized keynote speaker and author of the Millennial Manual. He's a specialist in helping organizations get clarity around millennials and Generation Z so that leaders can effectively lead, engage, recruit, retain, and ultimately sell in today's multi-generational workplace. A reminder that millennials are people who are aged 20 to 36 years of age and people who are under 19 years of all we're calling Generation Z. Now, the argument is it is really different than youth. It is because of confluence of the massive size, it's the largest generation we've ever seen on the planet, plus the technology, plus the Internet, plus their ability to fact check, fact check anything at any given moment in time. So the authority is the internet, not necessarily parents or teachers. And they've been able to contribute from day one, helping grandparents set up, run smart apps, technology for the household. So they're expecting to enter the workplace and contribute immediately. So we've been talking about this one. So Ryan, now let's get down to tactics because, you know, we all want to know. I get that. But what am I supposed to do? Here I am, a Gen X leader and many of the folks I talked to are pretty frustrated with it. So what am I supposed to do? How can I be more effective with this younger generation? Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's just take one topic and a hot topic and, and great summary, by the way, Wanda. That was a great summary. Um, feedback. Feedback is one I hear constantly from my audience, and it's 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 um, it's really relevant. So if you're a leader and you're managing the emerging generations, whether that's millennials or Generation Z, research tells us they want feedback 50% more than previous generations, and they, so they're expecting more feedback. Um, 
And the the kind of pushback I get on that is, well, don't don't we all want feedback? I mean, at a human level, don't we all want feedback? And I would say, yes, we would. And I think, but we've, you know, previous generations have just kind of um, got stuck in how most corporations do it. And then we just deliver feedback mid, mid-year and then annually, right? Well, now that we live in a hyper-connected world where there's a lot of technology at our fingertips, we, there's now tools out there that can deliver real-time and frequent feedback. And so I'll, I'll give a couple examples of how organizations are doing this, but my, my brass tacks for, for leaders out there that, that um, have a young workforce that's wanting more feedback, and it's, it's a really simple uh, strategy, and that is to, to have them perform self-reviews. So you might be saying to yourself, geez, Ryan, I don't have enough time in the day to, to you know, give feedback to, to the millennials or I, I just, um, you know, I don't have the scale. My team's too large. Then I would say put it back on them and have them perform self-reviews. There's tools out there um, like 15.5.com. So that's one five and then the let the word, I'm sorry, the number spelled out F-I-V-E.com, 15.5.com. Um, there's another one out there called Tiny Pulse. There's a lot of great tools that can actually in, enable and empower an individual to get feedback from peers, other managers, current managers, and do it in a real-time way. And if we're getting more real-time feedback, it just makes us a more dependent and productive worker. And if a millennial's constantly reviewing their um, their own performance, research tells us they're going to be more critical of their performance and of their work. They're going to take ownership. They're going to be evaluating their work. And they're going to be creating a self-evaluation muscle that when they find themselves in a similar situation, they can flex that muscle and ultimately become a more productive, independent worker. And then, of course, the, the bonus to all this is, is um, it saves time, right, As from, from a management perspective. And the other, the other great thing, if, if you're allowing folks to do self-reviews and then maybe come into a more formal review process to talk about it, it transforms managers into coaches, so no longer are you positioned as a nitpicking boss, but you're actually a coach and you're allowing them that identified their weaknesses and you're able to encourage them in those weaknesses and then affirm where they've identified some strengths. So it's a very transformative process. And oh, by the way, the number one leadership style that resonates with millennials, and, I'm gonna, and I, I would even say for Generation Z as well, is coaching. And if you think about it, this is a generation that was handed a trophy for just showing up by a coach. So they've been surrounded by coaches all the time. And so they're looking for more coaches. And back to our earlier point about uh, this generation fact-checking teachers and parents, uh, they don't they don't look to those figures as, as the authority. They look to the internet as the authority. So they're not looking to their managers as the authority. So rather, we need managers and leaders to become guides on the sides rather than the sage on the stage. So become a guide on the side rather than that sage on the stage. And that's really what's going to empower. And that's really how you're going to be able to influentially lead this next generation is being a coach. Wow. That is such, all right, Ryan, that is such a simple thing. And it has, in my view, dramatic changes. So just mm-hmm. to repeat, the notion is, yes, they do want feedback and not just positive pats on the back. You know, my experience is they don't want to wait six months to find out what they did wrong five months ago, that that is just demotivating. But this notion that you can let them take control of self-reviews and get quick pulse checks, in effect, of what others Mm -hmm. see of them. And we know it's not a hierarchical workforce. There's so many people involved in what we do. And these kind of websites would be fabulous ways of getting individual feedback. 
And then this notion that that your formal review time, your scheduled review time, which is hopefully not just every six months, but let's say even every three months or month, where you're reviewing and you're coaching, and that just transforms your role. Guide on the side, not a sage on the stage. That is fabulous. Excellent idea. And before we move on, Wanda, I I told the listeners I'd give them some examples, and I blew past Mm -hmm. that. So let me give a couple examples of how this is playing out. Um, Mm -hmm. The first is from GE, General Electric. Um, Last year, the head of HR um, ended their 30-year-long annual review process. So at GE, they had the same annual review process, and they ended it. In its place, they created an app, an app called Performance Development at GE. And so the purpose of creating that app was to deliver more real-time and frequent feedback uh, to the workforce. And they they encourage now their managers to act more like coaches and to do it more kind of spur the moment in the moment. And so that's one example. Another example is that AT&T, AT&T teams now are connected via an app called Loop. Um, I forget the website, but if folks want to Google Loop feedback app, they'll they'll prob- they'll find the website, and it's an app where employees create goals and they receive feedback and they can adjust their performance in real time and they're connected with their with their managers. And AT and T has done away with their mid year and annual review or end of year pr- uh, review process as well. So this is something that that that. Um, and if you ask the, the, the head of HRs at GE and AT&T, they'll tell you they're doing this with the next generation in mind. And if we're honest with ourselves, and you alluded to it as well, Wanda, that if we're getting more feedback in a real time and you know, kind of like in a just-in-time way, it's going to make us more productive. It's going to help uh, improve our performance. And we now have the tools that can enable that, so why not use it? Yeah, we've known since 2001, so with the dot-com when it was so hard to bring people into a corporate world, everybody was going into the dot-com entrepreneurial space. So a ton of research done on what does it take to recruit and retain people at the time. And the research really is around people feeling like they're getting real-time feedback. I feel like somebody is telling me what I need to do and helping me develop and giving me some guidelines about where I'm going and so on. And here we have that theme again coming up, but we haven't created good mechanisms for doing it in a more productive way. And this notion of having an app that gives me real-time feedback sounds to me like a step in the right direction for everybody. Mm-hmm. So I love that, feedback, a different way of doing feedback that isn't onerous on time, that puts the pressure back on the individual where it should be, and that um, it turns a manager into a coach, as it should be as well. What about communication? Any advice for communicating with the millennials? Yes. Um, boy, communication is such a hot topic right now and um, for good reason. And I think part of the reason why it's a hot topic is because there's a lot of challenges right now as it relates to communication for two big reasons. Number one, there's more ways in which to communicate than ever before. If I ask the listeners to think in their head, what if they could, if they could communicate only via one channel at work, what would that be? Many might say, email. Some might say face-to-face. Others might say phone call. I think I think people still call each other. I'm not sure. As, <laughs> as a millennial, I'm not sure if, if people still call each other. Um, some might say text. Others might say, you know, collaborative tools like Slack or Yammer, or some might say social media. So there's five, six, seven, all kinds of, you know, video conferencing, Skype. I mean, there's so many more options than ever before. And so when you're trying to communicate with a colleague or a customer, 
we now have to go through these different options and think, what's the best way to connect with this person? So that's making it challenging. That's the first way. The second part that's making communications a challenge is we have more and more generations in the workplace and each generation has their own preference when it comes to communication. You have one generation that, that'll, um, you know, they'll, they'll want to talk to you face to face. There's another generation that'll shoot you an email and then there's another generation they're going to text you while they're sitting right next to you, right? Um, we won't mention who that generation is, but we all know who that generation is. Um, so those are the two challenges. And so um, now more than more than ever, it's it's the the waters are very muddy when it comes to communication. And so I think the the best um, the best tool strategy that I can give listeners as it relates to to these challenges that surround communications is defer your communications. Defer your communications. And what I mean by that is use generations as a hint. So, for example, if I'm a baby boomer leader and I want to get in touch with a millennial, well, I'm definitely not going to pick up the phone and leave him a voicemail because God knows that millennial has, one, never set up their voicemail box. So they're just going to get that automated um, voice machine. And then once they leave it there, it's going to be one of hundreds that have never been listened to. Um, so you might want to resort to a text message or maybe email at that point. Vice versa, if a millennial is trying to communicate up to a baby boomer, or Generation X, they're definitely not going to want to set up a group me, or they're definitely not going to direct message them via Twitter. They're probably going to want to pick up the phone or schedule an, a face-to-face meeting. And so, yes, it's exhausting. And yes, it sounds overwhelming. But this is the 21st century workplace that you and I live and work in. And so adjusting our communications is the new norm. And if we push ourselves, if we, dare I say, get out of our comfort zone, we, 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 we should be exploring new ways in which to communicate because it's going to make us a more well-rounded professional. Um, so folks that are comfortable communicating online need to push themselves to start thinking about better ways and more effective ways to communicate offline. And the vice versa is true. If there, if we have folks um, or generations that are better offline communicators, well, I think, I think we all, um, should know by now that that technology is not uh, going away. And so we need to push ourselves, get out of the comfort zone and become better online communicators as well. So um, just one example, because again, I like to give actionable examples of organizations that are kind of taking this to heart. Um, And one example is, is a company called Charity Water. They're a nonprofit organization that delivers water, clean water to parts of the world that need it. And get this, Wanda, they, ha- they have zero internal email at Charity Water. There is no email that goes uh, is exchanged between employees at Charity Water. Uh, instead, they use a product called Slack, which many of them, I'm sure the listeners are, are aware of. Mm-hmm. And Slack is a cloud-based team collaboration tool. And so it's one way that the, the company is saying, hey, we need to rethink our communications and how do we um, you know, kind of lean into this, this high-tech world and you know, for Charity Water, they have a very uh, young workforce. And so that solution works for them. That, But that's just one example. But really stress, you know, uh, I want to encourage folks to step outside of their comfort zone and start rethinking and expanding their horizon as it relates to communicating, especially across generations. Interesting. Um, I honestly think if we got rid of internal email, we would not improve communication and not and improve time efficiency because I think it has just taken over the universe in ways that are unproductive. Mm. Interesting idea, this notion. And so I would always say whenever you're dealing with anybody who has a difference in style and approach than you, you're going to get better results if you adapt your style to them. And you're saying on communications, I want to adapt my style to the generation I'm dealing with. 
So that means as a Gen X, I need to do some of these other tools. And if I'm a millennial, that means I might need to pick up the phone or try face-to-face. Okay, fair. Now, I want to come back at you, though, because a lot of communications specialists will say that the human body, the human brain, evolutionarily, is designed to pick up on all the cues that come in communication when you are face-to-face. So the body language, the tone of voice, the so on. None of that comes through in any of our electronic communication devices. So some of the feeling is we lose some of the power of communication. What's your view on this as a millennial? Yes, I think, um, yes, I think if, if, if there's a time and a place uh, for for more um, intimate com- uh, communications, um, you know, if if, if I, you know, I would definitely not encourage someone to shoot a text uh, to someone expecting to have a long conversation on text. If if you know in advance that it's going to be a um, a very detailed and heavy conversation, then you need to appropriately make those arrangements and talk live or, or jump on um, FaceTime or, or whatever else. Um, so, yeah, I think you have to be aware of what the the um, the type of communication that, that needs to be had. Um, but I also think we're in this gray zone to where, you know, we have the millennials are coming in the workplace that are extremely efficient on a lot of digital communications. And but, but they've gotten razzed as far back as I can remember of having poor communication skills. And I think there's a lot of validity to that. And that was part of the reason why we started 21mil.com is to, to, to help people, um, to help the emerging workforce um, gain the soft skills that they need to really be productive in the workplace. Um, but so I think there is a gap there. And I always encourage folks to engage in reverse mentoring. And I think that way, um, in engaging in more re- mentorship roles allows the millennial generation to be knee to knee um, with someone that is hopefully modeling the appropriate communication skills that that can transfer then to the millennial generation. But I still think it's a gray zone. And I think the next generation, Generation Z, while they're going to be tremendous, uh, tremendous, um, impactful digital communicators, a lot of their tools that they're using incorporate visual, right? So they're using FaceTime or Google Plus Hangouts or Skype or Snapchat. And while it's not in person, but they're still reading the social cues, seeing the emotion, hearing a voice. And so I think they're going to pull that into the workplace. And um, the research out there tells us that over 80% of the consumer internet traffic that we're going to be consuming is going to be more video. So I think we're going to see much more video kind of come in and erode some of that gray zone. Um, So that would be my my response. Okay. (laughs) All right. So I love this one. So if we think, I'm just going to repeat this, two major tactics for managers to think about in working with millennials, and a reminder, millennials are the ones that were 20 to 36 years of age, Generation Z are ones that are younger, 19 years and younger. So for the millennials, to stretch your kind of communications, it doesn't mean you give up your face-to-face communications or your phone, but it probably means you don't need to leave a voicemail message, as you rightly said, because millennials are not listening to it, and it's not clear that that's a very efficient means of communicating anyway. Um, and explore some other internet-based things like Slack that allow for different kinds of collaboration so that everybody steps out of their comfort zone. We'd also say to the millennials, you know, yes, maybe with an older generation, you need to pick up some of the face-to-face 
and learn some of the soft skills that go with doing face-to-face communications. It makes everybody more well-rounded. So that's on the communication side. And on the feedback side, I absolutely love this idea of getting millennials engaged in doing self-reviews so that it turns the manager into a coach. So a a guide on the side, not a sage on the stage. Um, I think, Ryan, you referenced a couple of uh, websites there, 15five.com for self-reviews, and Tiny Pulse is another one. And Ryan also referenced um, 21mill, 21mill.com, as a learning platform for millennials to help them gain some of the soft skills that we think are going to be really important. My guest today, Ryan Jenkins, the book, The Millennial Manual, The Complete How-To Guide to Manage, Develop, and Engage Millennials at Work. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about this Gen Z. These are the ones that are 19 years and younger, and what distinguishes them apart from just the visuals. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Kless. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back to the show. With me today is Ryan Jenkins, and Ryan is an internationally recognized keynote speaker and author of the book, The Millennial Manual. We've been talking about millennials primarily and ways in which it's feasible to adapt to their expectations, I should say, at the workplace, and ways in which millennials can adapt to others' expectations on both sides of the equation. Reminder, millennials are people who are aged are years 20 to 36, Gen X is 37 to 52, and Baby Boomer is 51 and above. Gen Z, though, are the people that are 19 years and younger at the moment. So I want to focus for a minute on this notion of Gen Z. And Ryan, how are they different than the millennials? What's unique about them? Yeah, I mean, they, they are going to be different. Um, and, I, you know, the biggest 
way to kind of think about it or look at it is is they're going to be parented different. They're going to be parented by a different generation. The baby boomers parented the millennials, and um, that's shown up differently as millennials have come of age. Now Generation X is going to be uh, parenting Generation Z, so they're they're going to have different um, um, different values, expectations, behaviors. But um, um, I, I've identified eight really compelling or standout. Um, ways that Generation Z will be different from millennials. I don't. We probably don't have t- time to cover all of them, so I'll just give you a few of them. Um, if people are interested in the article, I think if you just search "Millennials versus Generation Z," you'll be able to see um, that article that I recently wrote. But um, so here's a couple of reasons, and I guess before I t- uh, go there, here's why it's important. Sixty-two percent of Generation Z anticipate challenges working with baby boomers and Generation X. And they only 5% anticipate challenges working with millennials. So we have to understand this generation because they're already coming into the workplace with some with their guard up and knowing that, hey, there's going to be some friction up generations. So I think that's why it's important. Um, but the first reason I think millennials or Generation Z is going to be different from millennials is, is they're going to be realistic, where, whereas millennials were very optimistic. You know, millennials became optimistic thanks to their encouraging baby boomer parents and growing up at a time of prosperity and opportunity. And Generation Z, they're going to be realistic because they, they grew up to their, with their skeptical, straight-shooting Generation X parents, and they grew up in the recession. Um, in fact, this is an interesting statistic, and it's I believe it's according to Pew Charitable Trusts, um, that during the Great Recession, the median net worth of Generation Z's parents fell by nearly 45%. So they grew up in a household where, where it, it was there was a lot of tension, a lot of tension around career, a lot of tension around finances. And so thus, Generation Z is going to be a little bit more realistic. Um, another thing, um, Generation Z are the true digital natives, whereas millennials were digital pioneers. I like to joke that millennials were um, still learning how to write cursive while Generation Z um, was collaborating on Google Docs or doing something way more innovative. Um, but uh, and th- th- I find this interesting too, and it kind of gives us, go- goes back to the conversation of exponential growth. And this is according to, to Pew Research that only 14% of U.S. adults had access to the internet in 1995. Only 14%. Um, and you contrast that by 2014, 87% of U.S. adults had access to internet. So that gives you a sense of how quickly things have moved. And certainly millennials were pioneering the digital age, social media. Um, they were introduced to instant messaging, smartphones, search engines, the mobile revolution, um, but Generation Z did not witness these innovations, but rather they were born into it. So they truly do not know a world where a smart device has been outside of arm's reach. Um, so ubiquitous connectivity, a highly curated global information, on-demand video, 24-7 news cycles are all native to Generation Z, and they're going to definitely impact how they live, work, and play. Um, and then the last one I'll, I'll give you. Um, well, let me give you two more if, I, if, if, I, if I've got time. Okay. Yep. Um, one, Generation Z is going to prefer on-demand learning, whereas millennials were formally educated. So millennials are, at this point, millennials are questioning if their large student debt was worth it, right? Especially considering that I believe it's 44% of recent college grads are employed in jobs that don't require uh, degrees. And so Generation Z 
um, they're going to explore education alternatives. And there's more and more cropping up out there now. And so they're going to pursue more on-demand, just-in-time learning solutions, you know, like the how-to YouTube tutorials that they're so used to growing up with. And this is the big, this is the big point, and this is where I think lis- listeners um, need to, to, to key in here, is they're going to seek employers that offer robust on-the-job and development training. Um, some early research out there is saying that Generation Z is open to foregoing a traditional college or university experience and actually going to work directly for a company that offers university-like training. So if you want to get a leg up on the next generation, start thinking about how you can offer more relevant training uh, to, to, to folks that are coming right out of high school. And then the last one I'll give you is Generation Z, they're going to be role hoppers, whereas millennials were job hoppers. Um, so growing up in the fast times, you know, coming of age in an on-demand culture, millennials, um, they had little patience for stagnation, especially when it came to their careers. Um, but on the other side, Generation Z, they, they, they won't want to miss out on any valuable experience. You know, they've got FOMO. They've got a serious case of FOMO. And they'll want to flex their on-demand learning muscle by trying out various roles um, or projects inside of an organization. So those are four of, of, of eight differences that I see being pretty compelling and relative for, for the listeners. Oh, wow. Okay, so I come back to this. I love your notion of the digital natives. And it's like your kids, as you were describing earlier, they've never known a world where you just need to pick up a device, touch the screen, and have it fairly intuitively do whatever it was you wanted to do. And as you said, deliver Amazon or whomever by drone to your front door in a matter of hours. Whereas those were still new inventions for the millennials, and they were at the forefront of the excitement of, you know, a new thing and showing other people how to use the new thing and so on. It does change how we think about it. And mm-hmm. I also think you're right that the young, the Gen Z, the ones that are 19 years and younger, being raised by the Gen X parents who struggled through um, the Great Depression and who struggled through getting jobs at the time of the dot-com bust – and who've seen their net worth drop and have fought so hard just to hold on to their jobs and their careers that the Gen Z is going to be a little more realistic and not quite so optimistic about everything's going to be fine. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, this notion about on-demand learning, um, are you seeing any companies that are starting to pick up this notion of how do we employ people straight out of high school and educate them for what they need to know in the world? Yeah, I think so. I mean, recently um, I had the global head of early talent acquisition for SAP on my podcast, um, and she, she she's responsible for hiring 7,000 um, early talent, which are millennials and Generation Z every year. Can you imagine? 7,000 new hires. Um, and so they're doing a lot of things. They're trying to – they're her goal is to make their organization more fluid and they're, they're constantly encouraging their new hires to seek out um, new opportunities. And a lot of them are reinventing themselves or getting into completely different areas in the, inside the organization within one and two years. Um, so it's something that can be done and is being done. And I certainly think if you're going to want to retain this generation, that's something you got to think about. Another example that comes to mind is Taco Bell. Taco Bell's doing some really interesting things around um, 
the next generation. And they're, I don't think this is final yet for on, on the Taco Bell side, but they're considering how they could perhaps loan out their employees. And so they're seeing more and more that this young generation is saying, hey, I talked to my buddy or I saw on Facebook that he or she is working on this really innovative project over at this other company. Can I go help them with that project? And so Taco Bell has, is hearing that more and more that they're wondering how can we how can we encourage them to go do that and get great experience, see what it's like at a different organization, and then have them come back into the organization refreshed and ready to go explore something else. And so um, that's you know to me it seems like an HR nightmare, but these are relevant conversations we need to start having because um, the next generation is going to be just as demanding, if not more, than millennials about how they can customize their career paths and what they do at work. Fascinating. You know, we do have to get systems in place that would allow employees to be loaned. But from a financial point of view, you could actually manage and that would be a way that could be quite productive. Interesting. Very interesting. All right. So talk for me a minute. Just We've got just a couple minutes before we have to close on this whole notion of role hoppers. One of the frustrations is people aren't staying. So what's your advice on role hopping for the Gen Z? Yeah, I think, you know, I think, um, let me just sum it up with a quick story. I was recently, I think this epitomizes why millennials and Generation Z are open to, to role and job hopping. I was uh, doing a presentation with a group of maybe three or 400 folks, and I was, it was during a Q&A portion, and, and I was helping a, a gentleman with his question, and I ended my comment with this. I said, because if, 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 if not your millennial, um, you know, if you don't do this with your millennial or Generation Z employee, they will use LinkedIn to find a new job by lunch. You know, I, I wanted to make a, a point that, like, hey, you know, now more than ever, the exponential times and the fast world that we live in is keeping us accountable as leaders and organizations to deliver um, better experiences for our employees. And as I said that line, when I said they'll be on LinkedIn finding a new job by lunch, it was as if I planted this young millennial individual in the crowd. She was so bold. When I said that statement, she shouted out, why wait until lunch? <laughs> it, 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 floored it, it floored me. And I, I use that example constantly because it epitomizes this generation. If I'm disengaged, if I'm dissatisfied, again, I can pull out my mobile device and I can go find a new job or I can connect with somebody else and I can go elsewhere. So I think now more than ever, mobile technology and ubiquitous connectivity have empowered the next generation, just like you and I are empowered consumers where we can price check while we're standing in a store. Now employees have that same power. And if we, if we want to help, you know, better retain our employees and the next generation of, of leaders that are going to come into our organizations, I think a great strategy is we've got to enhance the employee experience. We've got to enhance the employee experience. Just as much effort as you put into the customer experience, you need to direct as much effort into creating great experience for your employees. And, you know, the employee experience is defined by an organization's processes, policies, perks, and its programs, you know, what the impact of those things have on its people. And, and the goal here is to create organizations where people want, not need to show up to work. And I think if we can get that right, no matter your generation, uh, people are going to stick around and they're going to want to come back to your organization. They're going to want to contribute and be a high performer inside your organization. Fabulous. Ryan, that's incredible. I love that one. I love this. Why would I have to wait to lunch to find a new job? I'm going to be gone (laughs) now. It's amazing. (laughs) 
All right. So my guest today, Ryan Jenkins, the book again is The Millennial Manual, the complete how-to guide to manage, develop, and engage millennials at work. If you are a millennial listening to this program, I encourage you to check out the website 21mill.com, which is a microlearning training platform dedicated to millennials and how they perform better at work. I think my real conclusion, Ryan, listening to this, and the same time I've heard, every time I've heard you speak, I'd say the same thing, is we have to get ahead of the curve. We cannot just sit and wait and say they will figure it out eventually. And that means we have to get ahead of the curve in terms of how we engage people, how we treat people, how we um, give them a great employee experience, how we give them the feedback that they need, and start using some of the tools that are available to make this a more feasible, manageable task. And, you know, that's front and center in the conversation that we've had. So, Ryan, thank you for being a guest. Thank you, Wanda. All right. Join us next week for another episode. We're going to be talking to George Barbie about innovation nuggets, the 63 things that anybody can do to create innovation in the workplace. Thank you for joining us for Out of the Comfort Zone. Tune in again for another edition with Dr. Wanda Wallace next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Reach outside your comfort zone this week.